0: Please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. This is Carl Perkins, and today we're discussing Masechet Ketubot, Tractate Ketubot, page twenty-one, Daf Kaf Aleph. As we saw yesterday, there is a Mishnah toward the end of Daf Kaf, page twenty of Ketubot, which teaches us that Rabbi Yehuda Hanassi the editor of the, of the Mishnah, and the Chachamim, the sages in the same generation, differed regarding what a court should do if it's presented with two witnesses, and each one is only, witness to te- only willing to testify that his own signature on a document is genuine. We're told in that Mishnah that we studied yesterday that Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi was strict in this case, He insisted that two witnesses are necessary to confirm each signature on a document, so in such a case, someone else has to be found to support the testimony of the individual witnesses, since each is not willing to certify the signature of the other. This disagreement is discussed in an extended analysis on our page of Talmud, page 21, or kaf Alev. It's complicated, so what I would like to do is to draw your attention to one particular passage in the analysis. It begins with a statement in the Gemara in the name of an Amora by the name of Rav Yehuda. Rav Yehuda was a second-generation Amora. That is, he lived two generations after Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, to whom he was not related, by the way, uh, the editor of the Mishnah. He's the second generation after Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi in interpreting and analyzing the Mishnah. And what does he say? Rav Yehuda HaNasi says uh, something in the name of Shmuel. Now, who was Shmuel? He was a first-generation Amorah. That is, he lived in the generation immediately following Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi. And so he, that is to say, Rav Yehuda, says in the name of Shmuel on our page of Talmud, That in this matter of certifying a document by confirming that the witnesses, uh, that the signatures are genuine, the law follows the sages, not Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. That is to say, when we have two witnesses and one of them asserts and testifies that his signature is authentic and the other one certifies that the other signature is authentic, that's sufficient. You don't need to have each witness certify that the other signature is also authentic. Okay, again, the law follows the sages. Now, to anyone who has studied any Talmud, this may seem self-evident. Of course the law follows the sages. After all, whenever we have a dispute or a disagreement between an individual rabbi or sage and a majority, The law always follows the majority. That's what we tend to see, stated explicitly in many places. And so it's not surprising that immediately after this passage, we see that same objection raised in the Talmud itself. Pshita, the Talmud says, of course, this is obvious, for we have the principle of yachid v'rabim halacha kerabim. When an individual differs with the majority, the law follows the majority. Well, that would seem to be clear, and yet the statement of Rav Yehuda in the name of Shmuel was brought. So why would that be? It must be that it's not as obvious as we might think. And so the Talmud then attempts to defend Rav Yehuda, quoting this law in the name of Shmuel. The Talmud explains why it was necessary to say that the law follows the sages. The Talmud goes on to say, Mahudetema, you, you might have said, had we not been told that the law follows the sages in this case, that the general principle of the law following the majority might be true in most cases, but not when the individual is Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, otherwise known as here simply as Rabbi. Where Rabbi, or the Rabbi par excellence, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi is concerned, perhaps you would have thought that Halakha, Ke rabbi mechavero ve'afilu that is, when Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi differs with one or even more than one more rabbi, the law follows him. After all, elsewhere in the Talmud, I think it's in Tractate eruvin we're told that generally when Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi differs with another sage, the law follows Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi. So maybe one would think that even when more than one sage differs with him, the law follows Rabi HaNasi, And therefore, this is why we're told emphatically that the law follows the sages. Okay, that, that may make sense. And yet the irony of that emphatic statement is that it's immediately challenged by an objection. And here's the objection. Uh, did Shmuel actually say this? Did he actually say that in this circumstance, the law follows the rabbis? And what follows is the presentation of of a case. We have a case that seems to suggest the opposite. This is an example of what you could call Jewish common law. We're quoting a case in which Shmuel is understood to have behaved in a certain way, and that, that seems to suggest that he followed a certain principle. So let's hear what the case is. It's uh, a document that emerged from the court of Shmuel, presumably un- over his signature, and written on it was something that seems to suggest that he followed not the sages, but Rabbi Yehuda Anasi and his opinion in this case. What did it say? It said the following. Since Rav Anan Chia came and testified about the authenticity of his signature on a particular document, and about the authenticity of the signature of the other witness who signed with him, namely Rav Hanan bar and since Rav Hanan bar Abba came and testified about the authenticity of his signature and about the authenticity of the signature of the other one who signed with him, namely Rav Hanan bar we have therefore authorized and certified this document as fit. Now, that kind of a statement that statement, which makes clear that the court relied on the fact that each witness certified not only himself but the other signator, it seems to suggest that Shmuel required each witness to testify concerning not only his own signature but also that of the other witness. So this is a challenge to Rav Yehuda, who quoted Shmuel. What does he say in response? Well. The response is uh, actually kind of simple. The response is that this was a special case. It was a document that concerned the welfare of orphans and Shmuel was concerned lest some other court not honor the document out of a mistaken belief that the law follows Rabbi Yehudah HaNasi in this area. So Shmuel took pains to leave a margin for her in order that the orphans should not suffer a loss. Hence he authenticated the signatures in a manner that was valid even according to Rabbi Yehudah HaNasi, and he clarified this in his document. Now, the reason I thought it was worth sharing this brief snippet of Daf Kaf Aleph with you is that it illustrates a number of important points. First, it doesn't matter who you are. You could be as important as Rabbi Yehudah HaNasi, the author of the Mishnah. That doesn't matter. When it comes to the law, the law follows the majority. Second, no assertion in the Talmud is safe from challenge. Even though Rav Yehuda may have had a lot to rely on in asserting that Shmuel said that the law follows the sages in this case, he must defend himself. His assertion will be tested, as it should be, in order to determine its reliability. It will be challenged, After all, he could have erred. The Talmud insists that all assertions, all attributions, be rigorously questioned and challenged and probed. Finally, we have here a small example of a larger phenomenon. Sometimes for the sake of some societal value, in this case caring for the orphans who presumably cannot care for themselves, judges do things beyond the letter of the law. In this case, Shmuel apparently behaved in a way that he didn't have to. But he did it in order that the orphans whose welfare concerned him, whose welfare he was responsible for, were not going to suffer. In other cases, in the Talmud, we'll see that judges will encourage litigants to do the same thing, to behave beyond the letter of the law. Generally, it's not possible to insist that they do that, but it certainly is a nice goal to which to aspire. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.